The big question you need to ask yourself every day is, do I own a job or do I own a business? And unfortunately, the majority of contractors out there own a job. That's right, they're a slave to their own business. But the other side of the fence is so much greener, it's so much better, and that's when you're finally fully in control of your destiny, your freedom, your time, and that's what Contractor Secrets is about. It's about taking back our time, building a business with systems, standards, values, procedures, putting yourself in the driver's seat, and that's what it's about. So I'm excited. I'm happy to have you here. Let's dive into the Contractor Secrets Podcast. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Trade Thrive Podcast. This is your host, Tanner Mullen. I'm happy that you're here with me wherever you are listening to this. And I want to give you some value today. And I want to talk about a topic that uh, has been debated for years. It's going to continue to be debated. Uh, But I just want to give you my viewpoint and what's working for me in my business. And that topic is subcontractors versus employees. Uh, In the very beginning of me starting my painting business, I was taught uh, the subcontractor method, and it was super appealing to me. I mean, you're telling me all I have to do is go sell jobs, find someone who already has their equipment, is a painter, uh, has their own insurance, and essentially pay them a cut of the job. I can oversee the job, collect the check, and you know, live happily ever after. Okay, rinse and repeat. And it all sounded great. But in the beginning, I started uncovering, I would say, the ugliness behind the curtain of what that process looked like. And I think that, you know, I think that a lot of people are hesitant to jump into the employee model because of uh, the work that it takes to form a team, to go through the interviewing process, to go through the hiring process, to do all these things, to build a team. But I want to get back to what my experience was with the subcontractor. And what I realized was, is that, you know, I, as a business am pricing a job to make profit for another business that wants to make a profit. And I think when you're trying to price jobs out for two different businesses, your pricing is completely out of whack. And that was one of the first things I noticed is like, okay, I'm, I'm offering this person 50% and I'm still having to pay for materials. I'm still having to oversee this job. I'm still having to check in to make sure it's being done the way I want it done. And I'm thinking like, this doesn't really, this isn't what I wanted. Like this doesn't, this doesn't make premium painting stand out. Essentially, this guy's coming up in his own truck. He has no loyalty to premium painting, really. I mean, he's just a subcontractor. I mean, just kind of just paints and, you know, he, he's not loyal to the premium painting brand that I'm trying to create and, and build uh, a foundation around. And, you know, he does things his own way. He does things the way that he wants to do them. You know, he'll, he takes a, an hour and a half lunch break. You know, I mean, these things, these little nuances were essentially uh, completely opposite from what it is that my vision was. And, and I'm paying way more than what it would be to hire an employee in that position. So what I, what I started to do was I'm like, okay, I recognized that this wasn't working. Subcontractor model was, was easy but I had nothing, and I was at the mercy of these subcontractors. I mean, I couldn't even confidently 
tell my homeowner when they could have their house painted because I didn't know. I had to literally call the subcontractor, figure out what his schedule was. And then, you know, I was at the mercy of whether or not he was keeping up with his end of the deal. And then I'd be calling homeowners trying to, you know, uh, continuously apologizing. Oh, well, well, this happened and, and, oh, we can't get him there. And I'm like, enough is enough. Like this just isn't working. So I had this like moment of clarity. I'm like, I need to have employees. And what I need to do is I need to build a team and I have to be the all-star on that team in the beginning. I had to do it. I had to literally get into the, the mud and I didn't mind. I, I knew that that was part of the process. And I think if anyone's starting a business, you should be comfortable with that. And I use this analogy a lot because it really brings a lot of clarity to what I mean. If you're coming into a trade and you really come in with the mindset that you could just sell it and subcontract it, or you don't want to do any of the actual work, you just want to you know, be the CEO, uh, that's great and all. Uh, but if you were to own a restaurant and you didn't know how to cook, you're at the complete mercy of the chef. If the chef doesn't show up, you don't have a restaurant and you don't have people that you know, can purchase from you. I mean, that's it. So you're at the complete mercy of the chef. And I felt when I, when I was using some contractors, I was at the complete mercy of my painters that weren't mine. They were just there to collect a check. And I'm not even going to get into them selling their own services, passing out their own business cards. You know, These are things I ran into. And I'm like, okay, something's, something's up here. So I got into the mud. I started painting. I started getting into seeing what the process looked like. And not only seeing what the process looked like, implementing things that I knew were the right way to do things. Because I wasn't just there to collect a check. And my subcontractors were. So they would cut corners. They wouldn't do things that I knew needed to be done. They wouldn't you know, really take pride in that aspect. And yes, I understand that maybe it comes down to finding the perfect subcontractor, but the reality is if that subcontractor is so perfect, they wouldn't be needing to find take your jobs. They would be able to develop their own business. So, you know, to say that I need to find the perfect subcontractor is contrary to, you know, the truth behind the fact that somebody that good and with those high standards uh, would be able to find their own work. You know, so I, I wanted to implement my own standards. I mean, something as simple as, you know, just covering plants on the outside of the house, you know, that's important to me. And, you know, to somebody who's there to maximize on their profit, uh, who doesn't have that um, level of standard, you know, the, you know, they just are going to skip on some of those things. So I wanted to create my own processes in my own business. So the first thing I did was one of my subcontractors had a, had a helper and, you know, look, I knew that I could keep it, keep jobs flowing in. It was just a matter of getting the production right. I had to, I, I knew I could sell jobs. I mean, that to me is natural, but I needed to get the production down. So what I did was, is I took his helper and I said, Hey man, you know, I don't know, you know what your plans are, but I can offer you X amount per hour to work with me full time, you know, and you know, the subcontractor was paying him hourly. And I said, I could pay you this hourly. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it might've been in some people's eyes, you know, wrong to solicit, you know, someone else's employee, but you know, this is business. And I, I, I truly believe that this was a, a, a business move that I had to make uh, in order to survive. And uh, so what I did was this person was all about it. He jumped on board with me. We got along great. And he became uh, what I like to consider a project manager in the very early stages of my business, even though it was just him and I working together. Um, and then what happened was, is as I'm working alongside this person, you know, I would be getting calls to go do estimates. And I said, you know what, all right, man, 
you got it. You, you run the job yourself. You know, I trust you. And he would work by himself and kind of start knocking out the job. And then I would come back and help him finish. And then it turned into, Hey man, do you know, do you have a friend that, you know, you might think might want to work alongside us? And, uh, you know, he would say, yeah, I actually do have somebody. So it turned out that he would bring his friend and now we were a team of three and I'm thinking, man, you know, it's so nice having like two other people work alongside me here. And then, uh, you know, then, then it came into, okay, now I'm going to start looking for more help. Now I feel confident in my ability to keep the guys busy because then I was leaving and scheduling another job for the following week. And then I had enough of a buffer to where I'd be like, okay, I can, I can feel confident bringing someone in full time. And then I brought someone in full time. Um, and this person had experience. So now I have this helper. I have someone with no experience. And now I have somebody who, what I would consider as like a mechanic. He knows painting. He worked for a painting company, a high volume painting company. He knows all the language. He knows how to use everything. So now instead of me being this uh, all-star, I was able to put someone in the all-star position. And and in and, and the painting business, the all-star is someone who can cut flawlessly, who can spray, who can you know uh, manage the flow of the job, knowing what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, how it needs to be done, and can really problem solve on site and give people direction. Um, even though that he was the most um, skilled and I would consider the production all-star, I still kept the person who came with me first as the project manager. Again, I would just report to him. I'd say, hey, how's everything going? And it wasn't like, you know, he was in charge. You know, it was essentially, he just oversaw everything. He reported to me and I didn't want anyone to have the title as boss. I just wanted us all to work together. Everyone had their own strengths. So I just started developing like this team and it was just one at a time. And then that awesome mechanic that I brought in, Hey, do you have a friend? And, uh, that was one of the best questions, uh, I asked every time I found someone that I really liked, Hey, do you have any friends that would want to work alongside us? And it was just kind of this game of staying ahead of the team and feeling confident enough to keep these guys busy. I found out that my sweet spot was having four painters on the job. Now, if you're in any other business, you should find out where your sweet spot is. I looked at my margins and I said, you know what? These four painters actually cost me less in terms of what the margin is on jobs than it would be to hire a subcontractor. So even though I'm paying my employer taxes, even though I'm paying workers comp, these things obviously kind of offset when it comes to the fact that I'm paying these guys hourly as a team instead of paying a subcontractor a sum total that would be more than the hourly, the workers comp, and all the other things that come along with a subcontractor, okay? So I want to tell you about a term, and this term kind of sums it up. This is called proprietary production. Now, I want you to look at this viewpoint because I think if you get this right, this is going to help you excel in your business. The first thing that I want you to think about is that you are a middleman. If you own a business, you're a middleman, okay? And as a middleman, you connect the supply to the demand. You are a middleman. That's your job. You are the plug, essentially. You know, I don't really like to use that term, but essentially that's, you know, a term that you can associate with somebody who knows how to connect the supply and the demand right? So you have this ability to go to the paint store and you, you know, you are a buyer and a seller of paint in, in one way. Like if this is, if you're a painting business owner, you have that ability. You are the buyer and seller of paint. You buy paint and then you resell it or you repurpose it obviously to create the vision. 
When it comes to production, yes, you are a buyer and seller of production, but essentially when the you own the production, okay, you're definitely going to be able to buy it at a cheaper rate than you would if someone was selling you their production. You have to get that because when you have employees, you are buying your own production. You can sell yourself as the business owner the production at a lower rate than you can as a subcontractor who wants to sell it to you to sell to your customers with profit added into it. That is where I'm getting at. And I think that if you invest the time into building that team to where you can create your own production, that's essentially like owning a paint store, right? So Sherman Williams needs to make a profit, right? If you had Joe's paint store where you would get you know, crazy discounted prices from manufacturers because you are a retailer and retailers get discounts, okay, which to me, paying people hourly is going to obviously be that discount that I'm referring to, okay, what you would be be able to do is you would be able to buy your paint as the middleman and sell it to your homeowner at a very discounted rate, okay, so that's what I get with proprietary production. It's worth the investment to invest in employees early. So when you get to that point of, you know, you're doing a large quantity of jobs, then you are obviously saving and and obviously maximizing way more than it would be relying on a subcontractor and essentially paying 50, sometimes 60% to these subcontractors to get your jobs done. Um, you're giving away your margin. And I'm not going to get into all the extra things that come with subcontractors. And I kind of briefly touched on them. But where I'm getting at is, and this whole thing is that don't be intimidated by employees. Okay. Workers comp so easy. And that was something that, that was one thing that I was kind of weary about in the beginning is that, well, how am I going to pay workers comp? Like, I don't even know where to start with that. If you have a payroll company facilitating everything, where all you have to do is tell them how many hours each person works and then they cut the check, they distribute the taxes and they uh, take out for workers comp. That's it. And there's companies that do that. The only one I'm going to mention on here is Gusto. I love Gusto. That's it. All the other ones are, are okay. Gusto makes it so easy. So I suggest that if you're interested in employees and you want to legitimize, Gusto is the route. All right. The last part of this is the fine line. Okay. The fine line about what's acceptable for a subcontractor and what's acceptable for an employee, uh, is, is just such a fine line that like, you know, so many people cross it without any hesitation. But if we look at it, I really think that, you know, we're really making a mistake because if you think about it, okay, if you only work with one subcontractor, okay, and he only works with you and you tell him where to be, how to do his job, you provide all the labor, excuse me, provide all the materials for him to do that job, okay, that is a that is an employee, that isn't a subcontractor. You, you know, uh, the definition of a subcontractor is someone who can make a profit or a loss, so he incurs a loss at some point. If he doesn't do the job in a certain amount of time or he spends too much on materials, um, that would give him the opportunity to make to, to lose money. But if he cuts back on materials and can maximize on his job, then he can make a profit. So that indicates a subcontractor. So by you providing materials to a subcontractor, um, you are not giving them that opportunity to incur a profit or a loss, if that makes any sense. The next part of it is 
the next part of the subcontractor employee, you know, fine line is uh, you kind of identifying if this person only works for you. You know, to me, like I'll give you the best example of like a, a legal subcontractor relationship. And that to me would be if I were painting a house and I needed wood rot repair done and I, uh, you know, none of my guys could do it. So I found this handyman and I subcontracted him to come in and to fix this wood rot for us. That would be a subcontractor relationship. But if the only thing that the person's doing for you is the nature of your business and they only work for you and they can't incur uh, a profit or a loss, essentially, you know, that is totally an employee. And my thing is, is that, you know, your business is only good as your, I would say your foundation, but most importantly, your moral foundation, because when you are on a, I would say like if you were building a building and it was going on really high, but if the foundation was built on sand, okay, that building is eventually going to fall. And you being a person of leadership, a business owner, you're inviting people to live in your building. You're, you're, you're having people come in and live in your building when the foundation is weak. And you know where your holes are. You know as a business owner where you need to address major concerns that could ultimately make your building collapse and all the people in it there's people that are counting on you to have a strong foundation so all this comes into play when it comes to operating legitimately i hope that i open your eyes a little bit about what it'll take to develop that team um, and i highly suggest if you haven't already done so on tradethrive.com we have a hiring mastery course head over there check it out it's a great course and i give you my seven step hiring process. So in the next episode, we're going to get into hiring, how to hire employees, what that seven step process looks like to ensure that you get quality individuals in your painting company or in your trade. It doesn't matter. The principles are all the same. So I highly suggest you head over there. If you are interested, Trade Thrive is now offering website redesign services. Guys, now more than ever, your online presence matters more than anything. People are now looking online because it is way harder and way more difficult to find people in person. So they want to do their research. They buy everything else by doing the research first. Amazon reviews, Google reviews. This is what people do before they make a buying decision. So what makes you think that the trades are any different? You need to have an online presence. If you don't have a website, you need to reach out to me. If you need a redesign, if your website's outdated, if your website doesn't work on a mobile phone the right way, the way that it should, you need to reach out to me. We're going to fix that. Trade Thrive is now doing web, web design. Reach out to me at tanner at tradethrive.com. You know, I'll give you a free quote. We'll see what we can help you with. See you in the next episode where we talk about the seven-step hiring process. I always appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for your time today. It means the world. We'll see you soon. Hey, I just want to take a second to thank you for joining me here on the Contractor Secrets Podcast. Um, I'm just going to take this opportunity to let you know that my passion is coaching people, helping people. Um, I've changed my Instagram name to at contractor coach. And I did that because that is my passion. I want to help you. So please reach out to me. If you have an issue going on in your business, send me an email find me on Instagram, message me, and let's do a breakthrough session. I want to work through your problems in your business 
to help you get to that next level. And, and one thing that I always say is this, you know, the difference between those that get over the humps and the hurdles in business is just a change in perspective. And that's what I plan to offer you. So get with me, message me, allow me to help you take your business to the next level.